Spin up your rotors. It's Gunship 2000 on Amigos episode 304. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Gunship 2000. Ooh. Now, Aaron, ordinarily, we'd launch into a, a protracted discussion about helicopters. But since we just did a helicopter game last yeah. week, we're going to table that. And instead, you know, this is episode 304 of Amigos. That's a number that has a very special significance All to right. us. It does? Oh, yeah. yeah, our area code, right? That's right. That's okay. right. Now, you know, in some parts of the country, in some states, some regions, area codes mean a whole lot. You see people walking around with area codes on their hats, yeah, shirts with the area code. Have yeah. you ever owned any 304 bedazzled uh, apparel? I wish I had some bedazzled apparel. Uh, you know, I do have a hat somewhere, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think it's got the Braxton County Monster on it, and it also says 304 on it. I've always considered that really stupid, to be honest with you, <laughs> because I lived in Kentucky, uh, and they changed my area code, right? And so I went from having a 606 area code to an 859. So what do you do with all your stuff? You're boned. And if you wear it, you're repping the wrong area code. Yeah, you, know what I'm saying? you can't Plus, have that. You get shot. Who wants to say? Who wants to throw their uh, their uh, allegiance to the phone company? Because in <laughs> essence, that's it's not like all the cool people hang out in three hundred four, and all the losers across the border are six six. We're all the same, man. Yeah, so I think it, I always think it's too so. Bad. You know, so you're not on board with a three hundred four. What is your if, of all of the different ways that you could promote West Virginia through your apparel? You've got the wild, wonderful logo. Yeah, you've got the um, you've got the home. It says home, and you've got the outline of the state with that thing right there. That's no good. No. What 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 do you want? Well, I mean, I think if you're going to wear apparel that would best demonstrate the state, what you do, Bo, is you get you one of these potato sacks. No, I'm just kidding. Special <laughs> <laughs> with you, man. Listen, uh, what you really what you do? I mean, listen, everybody wears the WVU football stuff. Everybody loves WVU football. Mm -hmm, so that yeah. I mean, that's sort of like the official state crap. Unless you're in Huntington, mm -hmm. you wear Marshall stuff. Some people wear Marshall stuff. So, I mean, really, we've only got two things. Well, I think That's I it. think what I'd do is I'd, just I'd really lean in on the cryptoids. I'd have Braxton County Monster embracing Mothman all in, under the, an outline of the state of West Virginia. But the state of West Virginia would be a finger flipping you off in the, in well, the classic, no, what would be you know. What would be better? It's just it's a shame that Virginia is stolen this slogan already. But if you would – I like your idea of moth of uh, the Braxton County Monster, like, embrace, lovingly embracing – uh, Mothman or whatever, and then you just it, West Virginia is for lovers. That's yeah. what it should be. That, that would be great. That's a t-shirt idea right there. I would. We need to make that. Ha put that in the store <laughs> right beside your puppet and mime uh, uh, shirt. That <laughs> Still it, a top it, seller. Is that amigatees.com? <laughs> so stupid. But yeah, you know when it comes, to, first of all, we don't have a. You don't want a state shirt where it's flipping off everybody. <laughs> Listen, that's the natural shape of our state. It no, is. No, it's not. No, it's not. I'm not buying that. What about a pig, what about a state with a big old a big a big picture of John Denver around the front of the shirt? Everybody likes him around here. He's cool. Yeah, yeah. You, you can know? have that. John Denver flipping somebody off like that no, Johnny Cash t-shirt. No flipping people <laughs> off. That's not going to bring in the money, the bucks. We need the money. I just saw our economy is not last in the country. Thank you, Kentucky. We moved up a. 
Oh yeah. Yes. So we're on we're on a roll here. So I don't think flipping people off is going to bring. Look out, business. Mississippi. We're coming for you next. Do you remember the governor a few years ago? He changed the he changed the state motto from "wild and wonderful," which is awesome, mm-hmm. to "open for business." Which sucks. That's no good. That tells you. That tells people we're desperate. That's what it, it tells is. people we were closed for decades, but we finally. Right. This is like if I ran a business after a hangover. It's like, well, I finally got up at ten a.m. You know, no good. That was no good. And I think they dumped all that too, which was a good move. And we weren't open for business back then either because no businesses came. So, man. yeah, yeah. Well, we got the hyperloop. We're going to see how that oh, how man. that plays out. I'm hoping. I'm hoping, dude. <laughs> all right, Aaron. Speaking of a hyperloop, you know what would go? You know what we should launch off the hyperloop? A big helicopter with some guns on it. <laughs> but before we do that, Aaron, let's talk about Amiga News. Amiga News. So our first entry this week is the grand announcement of what is surely the largest creative uh, competition in Amiga history. The Amiga Art Contest 2021, sponsored and created solely by 10-Minute Amiga Retrocast. I like that logo, Boat. That is that is fetching. I, I mean, that right there, just that rainbow Amiga thing, I think that's good looking. That's I mean, it's better. no lame Angelo, but it's all right. Well, so... Uh, this is uh, basically, you know, th- this this is going to run all the way until October. So you've got time with a capital T to submit your your entry. Uh, you can submit artwork. You can submit music. You can uh-huh. submit animations, whatever you want that's creative demos. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. And there are going to be what he calls great prizes. I don't know what the great prizes are. Yeah, it was great prizes last year. I hope Doug. In your tradition of Amiga art contest, when it's time to reveal the winners, hopefully whatever he's using will break down in some yeah, way. Just, just to, a just total to fr- disaster. Just for <laughs> feel, for feel the, hey, listen, I watched this. Uh, this thing ran longer than the Emmys and Grammys last year. I mean, they were on because it's Doug and Pixel Fix and poor Pixel Fix. And they had to, I think she was up all night over there. Uh, but and I'm assuming she's back around. But yeah, this was really interesting. Some of the art pieces were off the freaking charts. I mean, they were I couldn't believe it. Yeah, you know, so great stuff. So yeah, this was great, and I urge you to, if you can, watch the uh, the award ceremony. It's good. It's it's better than the Olympics, boat. Well, yeah, that goes without saying. Yeah, it's all go. about the Amiga. Now, Aaron, speaking of Pixel Vixen, we have some new Pixel Vixen news to share with you. If you're not aware, Pixel Vixen, a huge force in the Amiga scene in terms of doing art tutorials and things like that. Uh-huh. She has actually created. You know, she lives over in Japan. And she has actually created a full-length manga. This is the the, the Japanese comic book uh, called Future Saviors, and uh, and uh, this I mean this looks incredibly good. I don't know how much work was done on an Amiga on this particular uh, on this particular manga, but uh, she has put in tons and tons of time. And you know she's always she does all she does so much good work. For the the Amiga community in terms of you know all of her tutorials and if you're looking for a way to support her work she does have a Patreon this 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 particular comic is uh, is it's free you can download it but I know that uh, she God. does have she does have <laughs> a a Patreon page you can go and support all both her artwork and the work that she continues to do from Japan for the Amiga community in terms of the, using the Amiga for more than just to play games. I got scared for a second. I thought you were going to say, this is only available with their Patreon. I'm sitting here scrolling through it. I'm like, uh-oh, not yeah. good. Hey, this looks, 
<laughs> this looks great. It looks. I've seen a lot of uh, pixelations in the past. Look at the top shelf. I will probably give this a, a a look. And plus, she's in Homeland over there, so she's getting it done. I uh, uh, yeah, I, you interviewed her, I believe. What was yeah, it? The, it Ireland one mm-hmm. was that one? Yeah, so, yeah, great person and uh, uh, very talented for sure. But yeah, all right. Now uh, we have a new. Uh, uh, there's a new charity marathon stream on the horizon by one of the major players in the Amigos community. Uh, Frodo NL is doing a, uh, um, um, he's doing a stream and I'm looking for the date of the stream. Uh, I'm getting there, Bo. It's all right. No, that's okay. At the junction. <laughs> uh, he's raising money for Cancer Research UK. Oh, and this is going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow at 8 a.m. Um, so, uh, if you are interested in supporting Cancer Research UK, uh, Frodo is uh, is very passionate about this. Both Frodo's parents died of lung oh, cancer no. in the past oh, few, wow. uh, in the past few years, and so he's uh, he he wants to support Cancer Research. You can't pick a better thing to support than that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, he's already got over. He's over halfway to his goal of three hundred pounds. Uh, make sure you check out his uh, Twitch channel, Twitch.tv/FrodoNL. Uh, I know I'll be tuning in uh, throughout the day tomorrow. I'm going to throw some bucks his way. So absolutely, uh, boot. Yeah, this is the Frodo's a great guy, great streamer, and uh, he's doing it for a great cause tomorrow. Yeah, you know, good luck, Frodo. You know, my, my old man had beat cancer, uh, Boatster, uh, back in the day, and uh, yeah, of course, it touches a lot of us. It's good to see Frodo in there getting it done. Uh, Frodo's a great streamer, so I'm sure I have no doubt he'll he'll take this to the to the house, boot. Yeah. Uh, so good luck, Frodo, uh, and uh, I'll definitely pop by myself. But well done. Hey, you know, while we're on this boat, since we're talking about a charity event, uh, this is already this one's passed, and I wish we'd pushed it last week, but I didn't know about it to be honest with you. But I did pop in. I did manage to uh, kick in. It was our buddies over at Pints and Amiga. Uh, they had a charity event for a young girl over there who's had all sorts of of problems, and they they hit their goal. Then they hit a bunch of stretch goals. I didn't catch all the stretch goals, but I know some of them included the uh, one of the cast over there shaving their legs and head. So oh I don't know gosh. if that, I don't. I know the. I think something got beards were shaved, and I, when I when I left, they were shaving heads or legs. So <laughs> this could have gotten real wacky, uh, but uh, good for them. They had a good crowd over there, and uh, you know, listen, uh, I love to see that sort of thing, much like Frodo's thing. So. I wanted to give kudos to the, the boys over at Pints and Amigas. Well done, fellas. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Aaron. A uh, couple more news stories. This next one is a local group in the UK. They 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 had their, their big launch. They were a huge hit, and then a little thing called COVID happened. They had to close everything down. The Robin Hood Amiga group is back. <laughs> On the 19th of June, Ravi and the crew over in Nottingham Way are going to be throwing down with some hot, hot Amiga in-person action. Uh, this is going to be on the 19th of June from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, they are going to, Ravi's going to set up a barbecue uh, so you can bring some meat to throw on the grill. I'm sure there'll be tons of Amigas uh, rocking and rolling. Uh, you know, I, he's, I'm sure that he's going to share some, we're going to cover this after the fact and look at some of the pictures. Uh, this always looked like a blast to me. And if you're in the yeah. area, you owe it to yourself to come out and, uh, and join up with the Robin hood Amiga group. Yeah. I, I remember when this kicked off and I was like, man, that looks like fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'll be great. And of course it's Ravi will take, take care of business over there. Yeah. I, uh, in fact, I've, 
speaking of him, I don't know if you've got have you got his little item in the news this week? I uh, know uh, he's. I, I, I don't have it here, uh, but Robbie has begun the uh, work. Oh, on the his Lego, Lego on yeah, his Lego case. It's coming along quite nicely. Yeah, I'm sure we we, we did touch on it. We did touch yeah. on it uh, last week. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, we will continue to follow the development of the Lego Amiga six hundred laptop. I, sure. I do I do lament the loss of the wood one, but still, yeah, it's the way it goes. <laughs> All right, and our last news story of the week is our new Commodore hardware pick of the week from Retro Rewind. Oh man, this is a big one too, bud. Yeah, yeah, this is the the flash cart. To beat all flashcards. The yes, Kung sir. Fu Flash. Yes. Available now at RetroRewind.ca. Uh, this thing does everything you could possibly want it to do. So it is a, a of course, it's a flash cart, So you can put games on it, load them up, whatever. But it also doubles as a fast load cart. Uh, you can also use it to emulate several sort of like hardware type cartridges. Like the freeze frame, the freeze, the freeze machine, stuff like that. Uh, it supports CRT, D64, PRG, all the major file formats. Uh, yeah. This is probably going to be the last flash cart you'll ever need for your C64, wouldn't you say? I agree. And I, I just, I, I, uh, I'm going to see my C64 sitting here beside me. And I pulled this bad boy out. I've been using this thing for a long time. The old Epics. This is the, this one time was the King Dong mm-hmm. of fast load cartridges, right? Uh, with that said, uh, and of course, I defer and default to most to uh, people that know more than me. And when it comes to that, uh, you can't beat guys like Flack or Frank from over there. And let me tell you something, or the guys from Pixel Gaiden. And there's one thing that everyone agrees on, and what they agree on is that this new flash card is the bomb, the mm-hmm. bomb boat. And I think it's the one you want to pick up. Uh, if it took a while to get it over here, I think originally it was only a pal. Uh, I, I uh, cartridge, so it t- it didn't just it didn't show up here. It took a little while for it to come over, uh, but now that it's here, it's up. This is the one you want to pick up for sure. But it's an excellent product. Yeah, yeah. So this is on sale right now uh, on RetroRewind.ca for sixty five bucks. But you can save ten percent off this or any order at RetroRewind. Just use the code Amigos ten at checkout, and you can do that. So uh, we thank RetroRewind for sponsoring Amigos, and uh, definitely check out the Kung Fu Flash as well as all the rest of their awesome stuff. Yeah, and should I should mention that this is available uh, in case you've got a CC Sport like boat, you can get PAL or NTSC the double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And with that, Aaron, we've concluded the Amiga news. So you can insert that lame segue that I had about the Hyperloop launching the gunship into the stratosphere. Yes, sir. We'll just just let that stay there and lay there. Here we go. (laughs) Let's talk about a little something called Gunship 2002K if you're too cool for school. Mm -hmm. Now, Boat. I know, and you, as you were often remind me, that there's a age difference between us. Uh, yes, and so I don't know several what decades. Uh huh. I don't know what you were up to in the '92 slash '93 uh, era. What were you potty training? Were you? were you that young? No, no. You, I was going to say I was going to uh, '92 '93. I started sixth grade. Started sixth middle grade. school. Yeah. Well, then this may not have hit you, but when this game came out, it was I heard a lot about it. All right, this. It's got a cool name, Gunship, right? There was an original Gunship, then there was this one. But this is the one I heard about the most. I heard a lot of people talk about this uh, because it came out for both the Amiga and the uh, and the DOS PC. I, I knew people that were into these sorts of things, 
that said this was the top shelf of top shelf of helicopter simulators. Now, I don't know. Me and you aren't, either one of us are not what I would call flight simulator masters. No, no. But uh, but by God, we'll give her a whirl, as yeah. they say. And that's what we did in this bad boy. So uh, I'm guessing you never played this one before this week. No, I'd never yeah. heard of this one before. Yeah, so really? Huh. No. So this one, now, there are a couple of different versions for the Amiga. You've got your ECS-OCS version, then you've got sort of a CD32 version. Um, the ECS-OCS version is the one I played the most, but I did dip my toe in the pool of the other one. I think Boat reversed it. He played the AGA one the most, and then dipped his toe in the pool of the other one. So mm-hmm. um, this came out uh, on for the ECS-OCS in 93, and the uh, it also came out for the CD32 a year later. Uh, of course, this was published by Microprose, developed by their uh, in-house MPS Labs. Uh, they've done a few things on the Amiga you might have heard of. Stuff like Civilization, <laughs> uh, Nighthawk, Railroad Tycoon, Secret Service, uh, or Silent Service, uh, and F-15-2, which we, we've played several of these both yeah. over the years. Not well, but we've given no. it a whirl. Uh, and Red Storm Rising is another one. Uh, this Most of the people that worked on this worked on a lot of these projects. I noticed that the one of the coders also worked on UFO Enemy Unknown. So there's a, the pedigree here. I don't have to tell anybody that these guys knew what they were doing i was surprised both to see that one of the one of the musicians this i wasn't that surprised but it just i didn't know it one of the musicians on this was old david whitaker mm-hmm. uh, back again we should have got just, around man we should put him right beside us as like general host of this show he's, he's on <laughs> all the guest, shows david whitaker yeah, yeah. Uh, of course if you don't know who he is i mean god you haven't watched this show that much he did shadow the beast he did golden axe blood money he's done a ton of great songs a zip for a zillion game um, again, this uh, came out for uh, DOS and the Amiga. It also got an NEC PC-98 uh, uh, version, and it also eventually worked its way to the PlayStation, which we're going to touch on that in a little while, uh, Boat. So what is the old Gunship 2000? All right. Well, guess what? You're flying a helicopter, just like last week. A little more complicated this time around, Boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a helicopter simulation, and in this, it's a sequel to the original gun uh, to uh, Gunship to, uh, One. Did you ever play the the original Gunship? No, I never had. I never did. I, I didn't play it for this week either because I thought we might go back to it one of these days. I usually don't. So, in this game, you get to pick uh, from several different helicopters, and you're basically running missions. Now, the easiest way, and I want to see if you agree with me on this boat. The easiest way for me to describe Gunship Two Thousand is. Remember when we played Knights of the Sky? Mm-hmm. Remember, we liked Knights of the Sky, but there was stuff in it that we wish we had, like mm-hmm. uh, the ability to set waypoints and stuff like that. Basically, if you take Knights of the Sky and just like jack up everything, that's this game reminds me a lot of that. Yeah, uh, it, it plays a lot like it. Uh, the, uh, the the way time cycles and stuff is a lot like it. The way the enemies attack you is a lot like it mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I'm not saying mm-hmm. they use the same engine or anything, but I mean, it. a lot of it is like Knights of the Sky with more stuff, right? right. Now, I love Knights of the Sky, uh, but my, in that game, I used to I used to lament, oh, man, it takes a long time to get anywhere. And of course, then we found out there was time compression. Well, I knew about time compression in this one. And uh, much like that one, you basically the way this game starts off, let's start at the beginning here. I don't want to get ahead of myself, folks. What did you think of the way it opened? And what did you think about the initial setup and all that jive? 
So this game is uh is has one of the best sort of like um get you ready for action type uh type cinematics I think. Uh there's nothing in this game that is your typical Amiga crap where it's just a, a boring menu. This is this is definitely not super skid marks. Uh everything in this game is graphical. So it's like whenever you start your whenever you 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 start the game uh, you're in an office, okay, and you've got to sign up. You've got to create your your flyer, so you got to click on a file, and you've got to like a physical file on, on somebody's desk and type in your name. Uh, and you can you can you can choose your own uh, patch, which I thought was really cool. Uh, you know, a lot yeah. of these uh, a lot of these groups of fighter pilots they always have cool patches, you know, insignias yeah. and stuff like that. And you that. get to so name your group. Cool. I yeah. like that too. Yeah, all that stuff is great. <laughs> and then it's up on the board behind mm-hmm. you. I like that too. You can right. see it up there. Right. You in the in the office, you see a guy in the background. He's sort of playing around on his computer. Uh, in the AGA version, it's actually different. It's it scrolls Gunship 2000 across. Uh, the OCS ECS version actually I thought was a little bit cooler. Like it shows him playing Pong. It shows him doing a bunch of different things. And maybe I, if I would have let that scroll long enough, I would have seen it. But uh, I didn't I see noticed, that when I was playing it. I noticed on the uh, C32 version, if you put your cursor over the guy's monitor, you could watch a sneak peek of another game, it said. It was like, it was oh. like Pirate's Gold or something. Okay. Could, I, so I guess we had to see that. You could, that's an interesting way to shoehorn that in. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I noticed that it's, it's slightly different in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, and then you pick your th- you pick your uh, whether you want training or whether you want to go right in. You've got to pick your theater of war. There are two locations. You can go in the Middle East or you can go in Eastern Europe. Um, of course, if you go in the Middle East, you're going to be having a lot of desert. If you're going in Eastern Europe, you have a lot of forests and things like that. And then it's time to begin the mission. So when you begin the mission, you go you don't actually begin the mission. <laughs> you go to another location. You go out the door and into a tent. Uh, I'm not really sure how many missions are still briefed in this way. This seemed like something that was straight out of World War II, where you had a guy standing in a field with a cork board, and he had a paper map up there, and he was gesticulating towards it, you know, showing you things. And then you get a paper printout of what you're supposed to do. Uh, There you can also choose your loadout. You can choose your ship, and you can choose to either accept or decline the mission. And they warn you. They say if you decline the mission, it's going to be harder for you to advance. So you pretty much want to take whatever you're Unless you're, you're training. Then right, unless you're training. So that's sort of the that's sort of the setup, but everything is fully graphical. Uh, there is a, it's extremely well done. You could tell that they really cared about selling this as an experience, not just a vanilla flight sim. Yeah, some of this reminded me of Wings. If you remember in Wings, where you have to, you come in, you sign the book, and then you mm-hmm. go. And Faraday gives you the business in his yeah. office, and then you very similar. Yeah, you know, but this I will say it took went the extra mile. I will. One of the things you know, my buddy is an Air Force veteran at work, right, mm-hmm. and so. He's got this. One thing I've learned is that Air Force people, they don't really, I mean, not Air, but a lot of military people don't really care about you or what you're up to. And they simulate that quite well with these office geeks. They <laughs> ignore you fully, except for when it's time for to give this folder to you. Then, then they look at you and just kind of hold it up. They don't care, which I, it seemed realistic to me that that's exactly what would happen. Right. Uh, right. The tent, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you're in the theater of war, I mean, I could see that looks like the tent might be in like the Middle East, but I mean, yeah. if you're in Europe, but you I don't see know that even when you're in Europe. I yeah. know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So, 
uh, I, I, I will say, I thought I, it, the, that opening, that menu, it may get tedious to some people, but I will say, I, at least to me, I thought it was uh, sort of endearing in a, in a, in a strange yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't go on and on. The good thing is that they don't put a whole lot of dialogue in there. I mean, you're basically just pointing at things the same way you'd point at a text menu. It's just graphical. So yeah. it, it didn't get old to me. So let's let's get down to the nitty gritty here, Bode. Once you get your mission, now I, I'm going to go full disclosure here. I've had one of those weeks. And so I had to cram as much Gunship 2000 in between stuff as I could this week. And so I, I was scared because and Boat knows. I talked to him about it. When you do these flight simulators, this is not the kind of game you kind of want to dilly-dally on and then jump in because these things can be real complicated. And so I'm going to give this game num- my number one uh, that attaboy for this because this game, this may be the perfect uh, flight simulator for a dumb guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm taking wings out of the picture because that's not that's an action arcade type right. thing. This is a flight simulator, okay? This thing, you can have a setting. This thing has controls you can tweak to have different things automated for you, all right? Do you want your co-pilot to shoot? Do you want him to take and shoot the shaft? Do you want him to shoot the flares? Do you want him to uh, 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 help you? Yes. Do you want to take damage? Do you want to do that? You can turn all this stuff on. And you're going to want to do that the first probably dozen times. <laughs> the, the first five or six hundred yeah. times you play because, this game, you want to do that. Uh, um, if you don't, you'll, you can get killed fairly quickly, but you can also just, it takes, it's just like anything else. You have to sit in there and figure it out. I had the docs that Boat recommended me get from Lemon to look over the key commands and stuff. And I'll tell you, first off, I sat, I sat on the runway in my plane, I kid you not, for five minutes, just trying to figure out how to turn it on. Oh, because yeah. Because the dogs well, don't plainly say that. Well, <laughs> here, here's the thing. Just so, uh, just to, just to paint, paint a picture, yeah. if you're watching this, if you're watching the video version, you're on the screen right now, so we time that well. Yeah. Um, you have to, this is where the copy protection comes in. Oh, so really? You, you, yeah, you have to enter in those GPS coordinates to lock in the signal and all that. I'm pretty sure that's where the copy protection is in this game. Okay. That's kind of neat. Um, and then you, I never you really select, with those buttons. <laughs> you select all of your, you select all of your different options here and they're, they're set up like a helicopter control panel. So yeah, the flight clever. control, all of the things again, extremely well done. They're beautifully keeping you done. in the universe. They don't want to, I like that. I agree with right. you boat on that. Now, when you start the helicopter, there is a switch that's got a cover on it. It's yeah. like the old. It's like the old nuke. You it's know, the cool guy switch, right? Because right. they don't want you to accidentally flip it. Now, if you flip it up and you start the engine, and then you move the mouse, yeah. the engine will shut off. Yeah, you actually have to keep your mouse hovering over that engine start for like a couple seconds, and that threw me off because I was like, "How? What else am I supposed to be pushing here?" Because you know me, I'm I'm moving the mouse all over the place all the time, like yeah. a crazy person. Yeah, and so um, it's but true. anyway, once you do that. You're you're you are presented with the cockpit view where yeah. the game, the bulk of the game takes. That's place. actually where I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to start the engines. I'll, ultimately, I found out, and I keep in mind that I had all the shortcuts sitting in front of me. All four million of them were here. So, but eventually, I did manage to figure out how to turn the engines on. Yeah. Yes. So once once you turn the engines on, then you got to start the rotor, and then yeah. you ascend up into the sky. Right now, um, if you'll recall, we played uh, Knights of the Sky boat. Uh, when you need to go from point A to point B in that game, and uh, you you're using the ground targets to find your way, remember that mm-hmm. whole shtick? Yeah, you're well, following the river. You're doing all right. kinds of wacky. This stuff. is modern times, mm-hmm. so these things have are they're they're jacked up. 
Right. And I was happy to see that there's a map area where you can set waypoints. And in the missions, at least the missions I ran, they'll give you two or three uh, places to go to blow up. That's pretty much what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and so what you what you want to do is set your waypoint. It'll put a little triangle up above your compass. Simple stuff, boat. And then you fly towards that. Now, here's where I ran into my next problem. This was nothing like Alcocopter, I can tell you that. <laughs> so I turned my, I cranked my engines up to full, and I was just creeping along. And I thought to myself, <laughs> my God, it's why is this chopper so slow? Well, I forgot that here's dumb guy thing too. You got to tip that thing forward to go yeah. forward. Otherwise, yeah. you just hover real fast. That's mm-hmm. what I did. I felt like an idiot when I figured that out. Uh, and it's once you tip your chopper forward to the right angle, well, you'll move quicker to hiccup. Uh, but at first, you're slow because you're just you're not you're just hovering. Right. There are controls to to uh, to decide how high and low you want to go on the you know in terms of your hovering the, the speed and whatnot. There's all, but I mean, for the most part, I found the controls pretty intuitive. Boat. Yeah. Well, there, there's trouble. there's really, I mean, now of course, remember we set everything on dumb guy mode. Right. Well, actually, so I it, did turn it off eventually, but okay. yeah. But uh, I what, mean, you you basically you know when you're when you're flying a helicopter, there are only certain things you can do. You can you yeah. can increase the rotor speed to increase your altitude. You can decrease it to lower your altitude, and then yeah. you can move forward or to the side. You know, that's that's really all there is to it. Um, I, now, yeah. one of the cool things about this game versus a plane game is that unlike a plane game, when you accidentally overshoot your target and you've got to you've got to fly six or seven miles to turn around to get to it yeah. again, in this game you can hit a button for auto hover. Yes. and when you do that, where you can t- basically do a dead stop and just sit there and hover. And I thought yeah. that was great. There's all, there's really autopilot, auto hover. Mm-hmm. This game, if if modern helicopters are like this, I I might think i had a chance of getting in one and not dying instantly mm-hmm. you know but th- I, this i will give this game credit because when you look when i looked at all the various shortcuts for the controls i was like oh my god how am i going to figure this out there's like a million of these but a lot of them are very are very uh common sense a lot of mm-hmm. stuff you won't need so a lot of them are like the command wingman and stuff you know mm-hmm. so for the most part you can get away with knowing most of the controls right like now you what do changes get, weapons stuff like that right you do get a wide variety much like knights in the sky you get a wide variety of camera controls uh you can see not only the things from different sides of your craft you can see a behind yeah. the back version but yeah. you can also see things from the target's point of view so say you're rolling up on a tank you can push a button and you can see what the tank sees. So what I like to do was launch a missile and then watch the from the tank view, watch the missile coming in and then the explosion. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was neat. I've seen that on a few other games, but it's it's always fun. Um, you know, it's funny. I didn't know about the arm out of your helicopter until the, one of the last times I tried it. Because it's one of the things about those menus, if, if you don't move your mouse around, you'll miss stuff. So mm-hmm. I didn't even know you could change the arm out until I watched the video. I was like, oh. Went over and did it. Uh, so I was going with standard armaments. Uh, the armaments in this are, are, I think they're, I assume that they've been tuned to the missions you're on because they mm-hmm. seem suitable to me right. uh, to get stuff done. Did, when you first played this, did you turn it where you couldn't, where you couldn't crash? Did you turn all that stuff oh, yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What you can still do is run out of gas, mm-hmm. which I did. I did that twice because I kept getting confused about my well, you, you can run out of gas and you can definitely run out of ammo. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've done that, that a lot too. 
I did find out that you can blow stuff up with cannons if you, if you, if need be. A lot of times, the missions on this are generally stuff like well, I mean they differ. For for example, in the Middle Eastern section, you may need to go take out a radar station and a Scud missile uh, mm-hmm. air thing. For example, uh, you may need to go take out. Uh, you know, say, I, there were there were certain targets I didn't know what they were, and you didn't have to know. They looked like maybe like they were like. Mobile armored vans or something. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about. I don't know if yeah. they were, and they yeah. tell they talk about it in the briefing. But if you don't pay attention, well, and here's like the thing: this game is not very wordy in the game, and that's yeah. where the manual comes in because the manual of this thing is a tome. It's an and old it, school manual. Yeah, it's an sure. old school yeah. manual, and this is. I think Eric Nelson or somebody was talking about how they brought it to school and they would sit there and read it. You know, like when during silent reading time or whatever, because you could learn about all the different missiles, all the different crafts all the different enemy types and it was interesting stuff and it was it's all real you know and so once you have kind of an idea of what you're up against it really you know uh it really fleshes out the experience even more it's a perfect companion for a game like this is having that big thick manual i will say uh when you i start i played both the training missions to start off right and you do also get two different choppers when you do that, mm-hmm. which is that's kind of cool. And you get two different sets of weapons. There's a ton of weapons. I didn't get to try them all. Uh, some are more suited for certain things. And I'm su- I'm assuming that the manual, when you get further in the back, they probably got all the uh, stuff that will tell you what these weapons, what they're yeah. for, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and for that matter, the helicopters. But I was I gotta say, uh, I'm I, listen. I was dreading this, okay? I was dreading playing this because I I get scared that these are going to be too complex. Mm -hmm. And this one was, not only was it not too complex, but I actually enjoyed it. It was, like I said, it was a lot like a, uh, to me, this was more fun than Knights of the Sky. And I like Knights of the Sky. I like the subject matter more. But I like this one more because there were modern well, conveniences you, that I didn't you're, have. You're dead on in that they took... I don't know who published Knights of the Sky. Same people. Okay. But they learned lessons from that game, and they put those lessons toward gunship. Absolutely 100%. Because, yeah. like you said, all of our complaints about Knights of the Sky were solved with, with gunship. So you know, Part of it is the, is, the, is the fact that you're applying something more modern. Than a, I mean, you well, yeah, but even, even things like, you know, you talk about setting waypoints like and stuff like that. The autopilot... Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I loved great. just, you know, I loved setting the waypoint, putting on autopilot, you know, ratcheting up the time, watching the scenery roll by. And then as <laughs> you're getting closer, then you take it off autopilot, you slow time down, then you start looking around. And of course, you can also get blown up. And it's always a nightmare when you speed up time and you get attacked because you got to mash on that, go back to the normal time quickly or you'll die. So, yeah, I will say, I do. I, yeah, you're going to use now. This is something else that's gotten common with Knights of Sky. It's like, it's going to take you 15 minutes to get somewhere right, sometimes. Right, right. And I will say that that's still, that was my main complaint about Knights of the Sky. It's and, still yeah. my main complaint yes. about this game. I wish you could, I mean, listen, I understand they're trying to be realistic, uh, but it's it, you're sitting there just driving. Now, mm-hmm. as you get further into the game, you're, it's less downtime and more action, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's still, that gets tedious, even with the time. I mean, with time compression and you going as fast as you can, it's not so bad. You know, but if you you like you said, whenever you come upon stuff that's shooting at you, the time compression shuts off. But by the time it does that, you're probably going to get shot. Right. One of the things I do like about this, uh, that's again, this is different from Knights of the Sky. It's in a, co- a good way. When the enemies shoot at you, they often their shots usually take the form of like different types of missiles, and you can see them coming from like five miles out, and so you can sort of dodge them. Mm-hmm. Oh part, yeah, I do that I mean, all the you, time. You've got the chaft, you've got the flares for the mm-hmm. even though that's and. and 
I'll just let my dude handle that stuff because I don't know the timing on that. Right. But it is fun to stare those missiles down, and you can just try to veer that sucker at the last mm-hmm. second. Uh, this ha- we should mention this has voice calls, mm-hmm. so like it'll say like uh, you'll you'll hear some radio Target channel. on the left, you know, stuff very like that. little, very mm-hmm. little. Most of it comes from you, you know, or like mm-hmm. I'm hit, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, so, but it's there. It adds the realism to a certain degree, you know. Yeah, sure um, it does. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's not like playing something with a ton of. I mean, I've seen tons of these that have lots and lots of radio shows. Well, yeah, but that can be that can be a that can be not such a good thing because then. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. What did you think about the terrain in this boat? And that's where you know, if you've ever played a game, I think there was a game for the PC. I think it was called Comanche that had this. I think it was voxel generated terrain. It really, it really changed the way these flight simulators look but it wouldn't have it didn't come out till years after this game this game right. is back on the old you know pointy geometry uh terrain with i mean you could so this you could is sort I of mean, see a river you know sort of see a, a bridge stuff like that what did you think this is this is definitely i saw less features on the terrain in this game than i did in knights of the sky and i went back because there's there's like a it's sort of a quasi hidden feature where you can crank up the detail, you have to wait until you're in flight mode to activate it. Uh, and it might have only been in the AGA version. But uh, but even with that turned on, there's still just, I mean, you're you're driving across, or you're flying across basically a barren wasteland. Yeah, well, I mean, um, it makes sense in the desert. I'll give it right, that. <laughs> right, but in, but in Eastern Europe, it's, it's, it's not any better. In fact, it's worse than Knights of the Sky, because I didn't at least come across any... Now, maybe... The areas you're flying across are so battle scarred that you've already destroyed all the towns or whatever. But I would have liked to have seen more in the. I mean, I'm not asking for detail. I'm not asking for things that they couldn't have done. But I would have liked to have seen more, uh, more buildings, more structures that aren't necessarily affected by the combat, but just give you something to look at. I that would have say been in, nice in in the in the Eastern European or in that in the European arena. I did see stuff like bridges. Uh, uh, barns. In fact, barns yeah, would come up barns. on radar, barns, yeah. stuff like that. So you did see a few things in roads, you know. But I mean, again, I, we're talking about a, 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 an old computer here that had certain limitations. In fact, I was flipping through the manual, and one of the things in the manual I thought was kind of interesting. Actually, I wrote it down here. Uh, they were talking about the, the, the uh, Microperse was talking about this is in the manual, but the differences between the Amiga version and the, and the DOS version. Okay, because mm-hmm. remember this came out after the DOS version. That was the launch platform, and they said uh, in programming the Amiga version of Gunship 2000, we were faced with difficult choices. We knew that it would be very difficult to include all the features from the IBM PC version and main and maintain the speed of the 3D and include all the features. Right. We are pleased to say that we have kept the screen update rate very high. Unfortunately, memory restrictions meant the loss of the replay facility. So that's the for as far as I can tell, that is the one major difference between this and the PC version is there, there are no replays in this. Which, mm-hmm. Yeah, I looked at the PC. I looked at the PC version, and it didn't look. I mean, miles and miles better. They look pretty similar. So. I agree. I, I I agree with you. In fact, while we're talking about that, let's have I put together a little comparison here. Uh, uh, of the DOS version and the Amiga version. Now, uh, uh, I played. Th- this is one of those games where I actually played uh, the uh, the Amiga version and the DOS version way way back. And when I say played, I mean pirated them and then said, "Hey, I wonder what this does." And then mm-hmm. gave it a shot. And then I was like, "That's too hard," and then and then, and then gave up. 
but uh, th- th- I will say they, if you look at the screens here, they're very similar. I would say, in fact, in a, in a, in a weird way, the PC version might be a little bit slower. Now it's going to de- let's face facts. It depends on your PC. It's not right. like the Amiga. God only knows what this particular video has. But I do remember this thing not running in any great uh, any great shakes on my old PC from back mm-hmm. in the day. Of course, if you had something better, it would run quite nice. But I mean, I'd say they're pretty comparable. Uh, yeah. both. Now, I'll tell you what is not comparable, and yes. that is the PlayStation 1 edition of a gunship. Yes. Uh, of now course, the, the, this. The, the PlayStation 1 version uh, is, uh, of course, it came out later. It came out probably in 1996, 1997, something like that. Yeah. And the PlayStation was a machine that was made for 3D. So, you know, 3D, uh, 3D shaded textures and things like that. This is the PlayStation's bread and butter. This is why it sold a million units. Uh, this looks like a modern flight sim. I mean, it looks, you know, the the uh, the Amiga, the DOS version, it, those basically still sort of look like 80s games just because of the pointy geometry. They run faster than a lot of 80s games, and there's a lot of quality of life things that make them better. But the bones of it are still stuck in the 80s. This looks like a 90s game. I mean, Gunship for the PlayStation 1, if you like... Uh, you know, if you like the uh, the series and you want to see what it could have done, you know, two or three years later with some more powerful hardware, uh, check out the PlayStation One version because it is very, very, very impressive. Are you surprised that this got released on the PlayStation in some capacity? I'm assuming there are a lot of modifications, but it that is I, that that's quite astounding that a game for that was originally came out in ninety in ninety two. Would get the release on the on the PlayStation. Well, I think that Microprose was they, they were doing everything they could to get their beak wet in the uh, in the in the uh, the new hot console, and so why not take you know a game that's already fully developed, make it look a little prettier, maybe make it run a little bit smoother, and and then put it out again. All the missions and stuff were already written, so I can see why they did it. Now, while we're on the subject of of this sort of thing, but you you spent the majority of your time playing the. Uh, the uh, CD32 version. Listen, I, I spent the majority of my time playing the uh, ECSOCS version. I stuck them together here just so we could have a quick look at them. I will say the CD32 has a has a pretty interesting opening. I'm sure by, in those days it would have been, um, you know, pretty freaking amazing. Oh yeah, to watch absolutely. this thing go to. It sort of reminded me almost of that uh, of that Star Wars game where you go through the valley. This mm-hmm. little opening here. Uh, and then, of course, the Amiga just has the cool guy. But really, the the ECS OCS, the opening's pretty cool on that with the gunship coming out and stuff. The uh, I know the uh, CD32 version also has the Red Book audio in it. But when you get down to brass tacks, and uh, I'm I've, having played both, they're pretty similar, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, this is not- yet another example of like if you were looking for something to justify that AGA enabled purchase, look elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. plus it's uh, you're gonna have to play it off the cd yeah you got so loading times that you might not have yeah i so. uh, uh all that said i don't think there's anything wrong with it no i will no. say you now you you're they would have assumed that you didn't have a keyboard mm-hmm. now, that's something all that, of the yeah, all the control everything is on the controller obviously with cd32 and uh when i first was reading through the manual yeah. on hall of light uh they've scanned the only version available is the cd32 version and they did a pretty good job i think of mapping the various functions to all of the different buttons on the controller and so uh I, you know i'd like to play it on a real cd32 sometime just to see how how well it does but again that probably made porting it over to the the old ps1 really easy because they're dealing with the same button layout you know is it just me or is porting this to the cd32 simultaneously lazy and incredibly gutsy 
It's the, they've actually pulled off both. Yeah, it's a lazy port well, with a gutsy I have a feeling, control change. I have a feeling they're like, man, we could do a really cool intro for this game. Yeah, for the CD32, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, uh, um, I mean, if you're we're looking at these side by side, and they're the the I mean, we all know what a CD32 is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the graphical enhancements are there, but I mean, is this going to change your game playing experience? No, except for the audio and the intro. And the intro, it, while looking great in '94, not it doesn't look like any great shakes now, right. uh, boat in my opinion. So, what can we conclude from all this? Well, uh, um, I, I I still stink at these, but I could see myself playing this just on the basis of the of how they've made it beginner centric. Now we haven't touched on a lot of stuff. Part of it's because me and Bone are good enough to do some of this stuff, but True. you've got uh, the ability to to have wingmen in this and to order them around. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that. There are the, the missions, of course, get more complex as you go through it. It's a tight game, and you know if Microprose did it, that uh, they they have a certain touch mm-hmm. when it comes to these things. Uh, but given the amount of time that I had to tool around with this, I felt like I got. Uh, Good enough to where I could come back and play it without wanting to to actually jump into propeller blades. Yeah, yeah. I this is one you know when somebody asks me from now on what my favorite flight sim on the Amiga is, I can answer without question that it's this. Very good because very good. it's 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 the most approachable. It gives you the most options in terms of how difficult or how easy you want to make things. This is the one to go with. Now there there could be a better one out there. Uh, maybe in a, a couple months time when this category rolls around again. Uh, we'll we'll play another one, but for right now, Gunship 2000 is number one with me. Yeah, so I took a look at some reviews on this Boatster, see what we had. Uh, the people over at Lemon, I looked up, on Lemon, I looked up both the scores. The ECS OCS version gets eight an 8.32, very high. The CD32 version gets an 8.47, which is you know, slightly higher, but I've seen many times we've seen the CD32 version get lower scores, so I think mm-hmm. that's a good thing. So, looking at the ECS OCS version, uh, as you look down through uh, all the Amiga action computing, all the Amiga format, they're all in the 90s. I can just I'll cut to the chase. Even Amiga Joker gave this an 85 boat. Yeah. Amiga Magazine 8.5. Uh, they see you uh, Amiga gave it a 90. The one gave it a 92. So the overall magazine rating on this thing uh, is really high, 89%. This was a well-regarded uh, game and was uh, well received. One thing I wanted to mention, I, I just happened to see this when I was reading something. Uh, on when, uh, they had this reviewed in uh, Computer Gaming World, and uh, they actually one of the guy that reviewed it was an actual pilot. He mm. piloted an AH sixty four. His name was Brian Walker, and he criticized Gunship two thousand for presenting a helicopter that flies like an overloaded Huey, which probably is a big insult from him. But then he right. goes on to say. The designers have succeeded in creating the best helicopter simulator game currently available, Thorns included. Now, later on, they released expansions for this, which, as far as I could tell, the Amiga did not get. I looked. Okay, mm-hmm. I found no evidence that we got them. Uh, once those expansions were released, uh, then uh, this U.S. Army pilot gave this game glowing 5 out of 5 reviews and said that they had fixed all of his previous flaws. So, I, I hate to say this, but if you probably want to play the most perfected version of this out there, you may have to go to DOS. And one last thing uh, I noticed is that there apparently is an ammo bug 
in uh, the CD32 version of this, uh, after you get to a certain point, your missiles effectively stop working. Mm. I saw some videos talking about this. There are workarounds via a patch that you can get for that. So that would be a bummer. Uh, but uh, a very well-received game. What did Discord think of this one, Boaster? Oh, we got it. We got quite a few Discord reviews this week, Aaron. And by and large, everyone was very. Uh, they fell in line with the with the magazine reviews. Let me just say that. Mm. So uh, we'll start things off here with. Uh, let's see, who should we start with? How about uh, Duh Project? Eric Nelson. Uh, he says, haven't played Gunship 2000, but the first Gunship on the C64 was a favorite of mine as a kid. I take the manual to school and spend my class time reading through it. There was a great section that highlighted the Soviet-era war equipment, and I thought it was so interesting. My friend Jesse would come over, and one of us would be the pilot, and the other the weapons officer using the keyboard. At a blazing two frames per second. Ha! Ah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you ever do that, Aaron? Did you ever have a buddy come over and you play some kind of a you know sim game, and one of you would be on the controls, the other would be on the weapons? Believe it or not, the only time I really did that a lot was on the old Atari computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a game we used to play. I was all, it was. I always want to call it Vanguard, but it's not. But it gave you the one person the ability to drive, and one person had the ability to shoot in four directions. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. So, I, but I mean, that's that comes to mind. Not much more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lobsterminator writes C64. A lot of a lot of reviews for C64 Gunship. C64 yeah. Gunship is one of the few box games I bought for my C64 in modern times. It's surprisingly playable, and I've had fun with it. I also think Gunship 2000 was the very first game we fired up when we got our first PC after the Amiga. Not bad. And the Dunk writes Duncan Styles. This is my most played sim on the Amiga. When I was done with this game, I thoroughly, thoroughly believed I could not only fly a real helicopter, but single-handedly take on an entire enemy military. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, the graphics were very detailed and moved fast enough to be convincing. There's a lot of fun to be had with low-altitude flying, sneaking around between hills to take out your targets. I can't honestly think of anything they could or should have done differently. Had many enjoyable hours with my longbow Apache. An awesome game, 10 out of 10. I, I agree with that. I felt like I could take on any army as long as I was allowed to be indestructible with unlimited ammo and a guy <laughs> behind me that knew what he was doing. I felt in, otherwise I think I could take on anyone. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, that's going to do it for our reviews, Aaron. So, yeah, uh, we liked it. Discord liked it. The magazines liked that This is a winner. And I should mention before we move along that uh, if you want to pick this up, it's funny how many... Uh, of these I saw on sale in, in, in different areas of the world. Uh, you can get this boxed in Greece for 20 bucks and Hungary. You got to pay 30 us dollars. Uh, although these are selling in the UK looks like all day long. I saw them going for between uh, 10 and 28 bucks. I did see uh, some of the CD 32, like the, they apparently this came in one of the long boxes, both. Mm. And I saw these going for an actual chunk of change. Those long boxes go for big bucks. Yeah. Uh, I saw, uh, I saw. Well, I mean, I saw one going for sixty. They were asking. I saw another one for forty-two, and then I saw some kind of trailing off into the into the upper twenties. So you might get a deal on it if you want that version. I, me per personally, I'd rather have the bot the big box. I did see a couple different covers for this as well. Most of them were about the same. There's one god awful cover that I hate. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll know it when you see it. Uh, but it wasn't an American cover. So, but it, but it's out there. So yeah. If you're going to pick this up, you won't have any trouble. I think you would pick yourself up a winner. And I agree, if I'm going to play a flight simulator that's not, say, wings, this would be near the top of my list, Boat. Absolutely. 
All right, Aaron, why don't we head on over to our YouTube channel and see what's been going on over there? All right, man. So we've had an interesting week this week. Uh, let's talk about, as we often do, let's start off with myself. I hate to lead with myself, but myself and the Brent had an interesting uh, week on ARG Presents. This week it was 8-bit modern games. 8-bit yeah. modern games, uh, Boat. And we took a look at a couple. Well, I would have to say these are two winners, if I, if I may be so bold. Uh, I took a look at the uh, HP Lovecraft-inspired uh, Shadow over Hawksmill for the C64. I'd heard a lot about this game uh, just around. I'd heard the Pixel Gaiden guys talking about it. And this turns out to be a, a pretty interesting game. Mm -hmm. It's not perfect, but I mean, it's a quite a uh, quite a looker. And uh, can you imagine if they would release this game on the NES with actual real good colors? Well, you know, uh, no, the colors actually suit this game perfectly. But in fact, we've mentioned that uh, this game is these. This is an HP Lovecraft game. You're not you don't want bright greens and oranges and pinks. This is this is brutal, man. And so the color palette of the CC4 suits this perfectly. Well, you've got a lot of that gray purple. Yeah. I'll give you that. Uh, this reminded me of something I would have that me and the Brent would have rented at the uh uh at the corner Dairy Mart for the NES back mm -hmm. in the day. Yeah. And my and my brother agreed. Uh it's a uh a brick called this a uh uh Castlevania. Uh, no, Metroidvania. Metro Metroidvania. I hear that all the time when on Pixel Gaiden, uh, where you basically are going back and forth across different sets of trade, picking up stuff to gather up to do stuff. Is it my type of bag? Meh. I mean, I don't. It, I, it was a good game. It's not for me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the, the price is right. I will say, if you had, if if you managed to get this in the super ultra elite boxed version, holy smokes, you're loading up. They had it had stickers and keychains and gimmicks and papers and get everything in there boat uh, but i think those are all gone but you i got this thing for like i paid seven bucks for it not bad mm -hmm. no uh, not bad I, at I didn't all. think and then the brent went in a whole different direction as he's as he'll often do a boat and picked uh, well i will say there was some pride involved as he picked this game for the amstrad cpc a game with the curious title abduction of oscar z uh and this was a delight holy smokes uh, what the a Amstrad game. never fails to disappoint in its in its new. To well, not it, it, it definitely <laughs> failed to disappoint on its initial run, but yeah. uh, the, these new games really show off what uh, what it was capable of. I'm becoming a big Amstrad fan yeah. with this modern stuff, and I looked at some other modern Amstrad stuff. Of course, we've looked at a couple things ourselves, including the Pinball Dreams. The Amstrad was definitely underutilized as a, oh, as yeah. a as a computer. This game, but I don't know if you actually got to hear this or take a look at this yet or play it. This is it's a, a runner, very, right? It's a very clever game. It's yeah, it's a so it's a it's a I don't know what you call these eternal you call runners, runners, but it's not. It's yeah, but it's it's a, a real beautiful game. And oh yeah, no, I listened to this, but I'm just now seeing it for the first time, and boy, yeah, talk about impressive. I mean, can you believe insane. it? The graphics yeah. on this thing, uh, they're outstanding, boat. And then when you get to the nitty gritty, it's smooth as silk. It scrolls right along, and it's it's frantic, man. This mm -hmm. isn't a, this isn't some slow. Uh, ugly piece of work. This thing, you go. You have to. Uh, it's very cute. It's not long, but it's I also like it's also one of my favorite things. It's totally free. This mm -hmm. was part of a this was one of a contest winner from a couple years ago. I don't know how Brent came across this one, but I got to give him credit. Boat, an excellent game. I would I would check both these out if you're into the Amstrad or the C64, or you just want to see something different. It was good. It was a good time 
and a well-received episode. So we had a good time doing that one, Boat. So let's move down the line here, uh, Boatster. Let's have a look at, oh, man, here's another one, Boat. We, we filmed this a little while back, and it is for the, it's for our show, R. Sinclair, and it's Speed, Boat. Tell people about Speed. So Speed is a Boulder Dash Mr. Do mashup for the ZX Spectrum Next. Oh, you're working your own gimmick there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is another new game. You know, yes. it was the week for new release games. Yeah, this is a game Alco for the Conquer. ZX Spectrum. Yeah. Although this wasn't entirely new, this was actually a port of an Acorn Archimedes game. Uh, and uh, it it is, it's an interesting mishmash of genres. Um, I wouldn't call it a perfect game, but it, it was fun to play. Uh, and of course, we want to thank Roshi for uh, sending you the, the the copy of it, yes. so you could play it on the show. Yes, thank you. Uh, so, Roshi. If you, this was our first foray into the ZX Spectrum Next. We might return to it later on down the line. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this is sort of what what is one of the things that's available to all those people that uh, that got in early on the pre orders on Kickstarter and waited forever for their machines. You can play Speed and a bunch of other games. So. You know, I love this episode. I don't want to toot our own horn here. And one of the things I liked about it was just talking about the, the ZX Next. Me, we are total ignoramuses when it comes to the Next. We don't know anything about how it was planned. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of neat to speculate on what exactly was going on when they put this thing together. And then we also go into quite a bit of detail on what we expected it to be. Our, you were disappointed in the way this game looked. And we're disappointed uh, that this was what a ZX Next game would look like. And I was sort of not surprised. And we had an interesting conversation about that. The game is sort of a mixed bag. It's funny, after we filmed this episode, I actually was in contact with the guy that wrote this game. Uh, this was, in fact, his first game ever. He The first game he ever programmed on anything. Wow. Uh, boat. And so, I, uh, uh, you know, but apparently it was well-received. He's a real nice fellow. I talked to him on Facebook, mm-hmm. and I told him we were looking at his game, you know. And, uh, uh, but he was he, an excellent guy. Apparently these did real well. And he told me there would be more games coming. So that's, well, that's wonderful. That's good news, and and so. for this to be his first game. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. And I will say our first, our first foray into the ZX next, I found pleasant. So I'm looking forward to maybe doing that again sometime. But mm-hmm. so if yeah. you're interested in ke- checking out our, uh, conversation about speed and the ZX next, uh, check out our Sinclair. We had a good time on that one, but. Um, let's keep the ball rolling here, boat. This was a boat. This is a boat exclusive here. I didn't even get to see this. What's the scoop on this boat? Yeah, so this is probably the first time in six or eight months that I've actually streamed anything. I think that you had something going on on a Friday night, maybe, and and, and I, uh, I I kind of took over the time slot. I think I was sick. Uh, much to yeah. the much to the chagrin of everybody watching. Oh yeah, like, who's this guy? And so I had to fend off people that were just looking for you, and then immediately rage quit when they didn't see you at your normal time slot. <laughs> you, so, uh, but we played. You know, we I took some requests from the audience. We played my real NES with the EverDrive. We played some River City Ransom, some Bump and Jump. Uh, just kind of hit some highlights. We hit some weird stuff that I'd never heard of before. We played some Mega Man Two. Uh, so yeah, if you if you're into the NES and you want to watch me play some games and, and and talk to the chat, fire it up. There you go, there you go. Lovely boat, lovely. Remember that now. As I recall, I talked you into getting that EverDrive. You did, All you right. did. Well, speaking of streaming, last week I felt a little froggy and did a little stream of my own. And this time around, I was just basically playing some of the stuff we've been talking about. You mentioned that a lot of it was new. And so I thought it it was worth going through and trying some of it. So, uh, and also I tried to get some of these high scores that we're always talking about. We'll talk about mm-hmm. later in the show. So I played me some Hybris. 
I also played, which was the high score challenge. I also played, uh, what was it, Zynaps. Yep. By the way, I found out the secret uh, awesomeness of this game. And then did, and it's funny, my first game was my best game. I didn't know what I was doing. And then once I was informed what I was doing, I went out and sucked. So there you go. That's, <laughs> that's the Aaron Way. That's a good game, by the way. Then I had, then to get the, of course, I was late getting this one in, but I had to play a little Temple Rom on the Coco. Mm-hmm. Then we mm-hmm. moved into uh, some uh, uh, Bally yeah. games. We played a yeah. little bit of, uh, uh, a lot of, a lot of Bally stuff, but actually a lot of fun stuff on the Bally. And then we finally went into some modern 8 bit stuff. Uh, which included uh, our shadow over Hawks Mill, and also included uh, our uh, Alco Copter, uh, some other stuff, just some of the other new stuff. Well, of course, uh, the abduction of Doctor Z, so all our Oscar Z, so any stuff we just talked about. If you want to see me actually playing some of the stuff we just talked about? Uh, this would be the stream to watch it on. We had a good time uh, on this one, Boaster. So moving along here now. This one I was talking about this in the in the pre-show. <laughs> we got. To- I have not gotten to see this yet, but by God, it's on the list. Back to 8-Bit with Hermsky this week. The Thompson Twins Adventure. Now, if you don't know who the Thompson Twins are, uh, they were musicians in the in the 80s that are not twins, by not the way. Not twins, I'm guessing. And were, uh, had some big hit songs, including Hold Me Now and Doctor, Doctor. I had to, the, uh, the, the chat helped me remember some of these from back in the day, but I absolutely remember the Thompson Twins. And a band like them, like that, you've got to have a uh, a, a game. Now it looks like I, I was reading some guys talking about this boat. I believe did this game come on a record? I believe it did. I believe it so did. This was one of those out- games. Yeah, that was distributed on record. There were a couple of these uh, that 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 made the rounds, but I don't think very many in the states. And there are the Thompson twins. Uh, look at. <laughs> looking rough well, yeah. all three of them uh, uh but you know i'm gonna give hermsky credit i always tell me how he thinks outside the box but he literally set the box on fire uh on this one i would never come to this yeah hermsky says the game was released on record as a publicity stunt to celebrate the release of dr doctor hey it must have worked hermsky since yeah. that was a big hit even in the states that was a big hit so great stuff there Mitsuyama also chimes in. It says loads of vinyl games. Oh, it says loads of games on vinyl were unreliable. Understandable. You must watch this. I demand it. That's Hermsky with the Thompson Twins Adventure Walkthrough. Outstanding boat. Uh, last but not least, it's our good buddy Frodo. By the way, don't forget to check out his uh, his uh, charity, charity event tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the now. This is interesting boat. The first years of the Atari Lynx. The quirky, plucky handheld that Atari put out in the uh, late 80, early 90 era. But have you played the Lynx much? I have. I've spent some time with the Mr. Core, actually. Yeah. Oh, you've been um, playing it on the... Okay. That's yeah, it. but but I've not I've not played a whole lot of Lynx. I think I've probably played California games on a real Lynx once or twice, just different expos or whatever. But uh, I never owned a Lynx. And, uh, and so the Mr., again, real lifesaver. I'm trying. There's a game I played called Todd's Adventures in Slime World, but I can't remember if that's a Lynx game or something else. If that's a Lynx game, I recommend it, but I don't think it was in the first year. So check that out with Frodo. Uh, these are always good. I usually catch his stuff. I love just kicking back. This Frodo, I flip on when I want to relax. I do that with Hermsky sometimes too. I just kick back and, and watch their stuff. It's gold. Good stuff. Uh, Boat, I think that's all we got. What did you and Neil get up to this week, Boat? 
So on uh, this week in retro, this week the main story um, was uh, I'm trying to remember what the main story was. Uh, we were talking about oh yeah, so Ken and Roberta Williams are signing yeah. on to make a new adventure game. Uh, so uh, I guess there's a series of films called Carry On, blah blah blah, in England that are huge. Have you ever seen any of the Carry On films, Aaron? I've heard the theme. Carry on my wayward son. Right. I mean, everybody knows the theme to the Carry yeah. On films that you just sang, but I've never, I've never seen any. But apparently, these this is the longest running cinematic series in British history. So, You're kidding uh, me. yeah, I guess so the name's is, right. They're carrying on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the lead character is called Ken Williams, and so that, that's that's the the joke there. Um, so, but that anyway, we talk. Well, it's, yeah, maybe. Um, and so, but we talk about the, uh, there's a PDP-8, which is one of those massive microcomputer, it was really like a macro computer uh, that came out in the 70s. You can buy a desktop version of that, which is pretty cool. Um, we talk about, of course, Ken and Roberta Williams returning to game design. Uh, the uh, We talk about why, you know, when you watch these speedrunning events, why you never see uh, the classic 8-bit micros in yeah, like I an found awesome that a, games done quick. I found that as an interesting point. I never really thought about it, but you got a point there, uh, Boat. And there are plenty of things that could be uh, speedrun in that realm. I wonder uh, why. Did you determine why that is? No. Uh, well, people think that, A... Old micros are incredibly unreliable, and most people, you know, <laughs> and, and most people, uh, <laughs> you know, you can't use emulators at these speedrunning events. Oh, and yeah. also, you know, like somebody pointed out on our subreddit that, like, if you're running a game on different models of Apple II, that game will run differently because of the, the, the speed difference of the CPU. So there's lots of variables like that versus every NES is just like every other NES. So mm, okay, there you go. About that, that. Well, there you go. I bet, I bet that comes in eventually, though. I bet they pull that off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, and then I guess there's a new contender for the first Easter egg ever. So you can you can check that out. It's not the Channel F. It's not the it's not the guy from Adventure. It's something else. So uh, oh, watch wow. that and figure it out. You know, getting back to this uh, your opening uh, thing here with this uh, old computer you put the Raspberry Pi in. Mm -hmm. uh, I expect that the one of the guys from uh, Pixel Goddamn will have bought this. Well, here's the thing. I've got this big open space behind me, and I was like, "Man, you know, nothing would look cooler. Look at that. Freeze that right yeah. there. Nothing would look cooler than having that behind me with the lights blinking and flashing and stuff. Every once in a while, I just throw some dip switches. Uh, but it is. I mean, it's is it cheap? No, it's like two hundred seventy five dollars. But if you were going to buy a, a real one of these, which by the way is like three times the size yeah. and footprint, it's going to yeah. cost you three or four thousand. I believe that you guys said this 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 replica was like what was it three eight size something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean <laughs> and, the original version of this thing is like the size of your garage. Something so. else you guys talked about that I thought was amusing. One of you guys were talking about how you can network into it. I thought to myself, what in God's name would you do then? <laughs> <laughs> what would you do make a dot come on and off that's this right looks like one of those computers you'd seen on the set of like space 1999 yeah or something like that where it's like <laughs> or buck rogers where it just sets in the back like boop, 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 boop. i mean it's cool looking don't get me wrong but i mean i'd is... love to program it and turn it into just like a jukebox that when i flip one of those switches it plays a random song i do something you, cool like let that me tell you how that. old i am i programmed on a thing i learned to program on this thing when i was going to electronic school 
that was a it wasn't it was a lot smaller than this, but it was the same principle. We didn't it didn't have any screen. It had dots like that. Yeah. And we had to program one. Let me tell you something. It sucked. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> oh, and Curtis is correct to me. It's the mini. I couldn't think of the name of it. The mini computer is the name of the, the genre of machines that this is. So That's why you hail that man. Very good, Curtis. All I right. That's, all that's going to do it for our community updates this week. We should probably talk about the new high score competition going on over at Discord. A new uh, one? We have, yeah, we, they've, they've both, I think they've both rolled over. I know that we've got a new one today, Helter Skelter. Is a uh, is a uh, platformer with a twist, is the way Paul, aka Hermsky, has described it. This was chosen by Z9K9 for winning the Hybris competition. So if you're what? interested in, he beat I know me. It's, it's it's shocking that Z9K9 won. Did you see how um, far I got? I beat that him. boss you hate. I, I rolled yeah. right on past him, and he got well. crushed later on. But still, I did beat him. <laughs> Um, but anyway, that's the, and then the Specky high score challenge, uh, I guess is actually going to end this coming week. So we'll have a new game. This is your last chance to get in on the Zynaps high score yeah. challenge. Good luck beating uh, me on that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, Aaron, let's move on to the real reason why people tune into this show. And that is hearing about all the fine, fine folks that make this show tick, including our Twitch subscribers. Uh, you can support the show on Twitch. All you got to do is click on that subscribe. Mash that subscribe button, as everybody says I hate in the that. world these days. Well, who started that? Mash. I did. I started it. You, you should be taken out and killed. Um, we want to thank the following folks for subscribing. We got Macintosh Librarian, Mitsuyama, Pints and Amiga, Blow Jellyfish, Eeyore4077, Daha Crabs, MTG, Orom, Frodo and L, Scumboy, Amiga Live, Matt Dufort, Still Adolescing, Buck Owens, Dave Velociraptor, RetroRewind.ca, Blip Blop, Edmund Helland, JKDK, Rob O'Hara, Gary Heather, John Marshall 3, Kronos Net, Great Al G, Blue Train, Christian Russell, Explorer, Negsol, Uber Scuba Diver, and Jigglebox. Thank you guys Thank so you. much for subscribing to us mm. on Twitch. Now, Aaron, last week, the Patreon song challenge. It was a barn burner. Uh, it was uh, Ziggy Stardust from the album of the same name. That was a barn burner? Everyone was knew that one. Burner. It was a boat burner. I wanted to burn you <laughs> after you did that. Uh, we didn't get as many correct, or we didn't get as many responses as I thought. And again, this is another example of everybody that wrote in with the correct answer was from the other side of the pond. So I guess, you know, Bowie... Although we both love Bowie, might not have been as popular over here as he was. He was over super on the popular. Well, we say that. Listen, maybe listen, maybe the American fans heard you start. They grabbed their ears, screaming as they bled, and they ran off. And the British are just a tougher bunch, and they pulled it off. And the, and the Europeans. Oh yeah, well I guess I, I'm wrong. L. Curtis Boyle, the very first name that I. Oh no, no, L. Curtis Boyle Day. Did He's you write in, Curtis? You'll have to tell me. I'm getting all confused now because I've got I've got multiple things going on. Um, Close some tabs, boat. Yeah, I've got. You would not want to see. You'd, you'd go insane if you saw the amount of tabs I have open now. This next Patreon song challenge. If you know it, please. If you're watching in chat, do not answer in the chat, please. Send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com, and I will announce you as the winner on our next episode. Hit it. Ram, okay, Ram, okay, David, Terrace, Drew, Carlos, Matthew, Moby, Soy, Phantom, Magnus, Seth, Yates, Alistair, Fiend, Christian, Russell, David, Z, Jokes, Rosansky, The Amiga Show, Daniel, Crafty, Super, Family, King, Crazy, Lewis, William, Vince, Scott, 
gonna bury you till the ending then i'm gonna let you off the hook (laughs) all right you're an idiot we uh again thank you to graham w vebke and lobsterminator for helping me out on that song yeah you need all the help you can get yeah uh that's the operative word right yeah so um next week aaron oh before we go, I forgot, you know, we have we have a pretty nice crowd. We want to thank uh, Kim Justice for dropping a, a big raid on us earlier. We appreciate that. Yep, she'll be part uh, of Megathon, by the way. Yeah, she will be making an appearance. Uh, and uh, we want to thank all the folks that are still here in the chat with us, like Duncan Styles and Pixels at Dawn. They are our mega moderators. They rule. Uh, but we've also got... Uh, at Idiot Sing 95, Amiga Gamer 1200, Amiga Live, Angry Baleface, Antony Jastrab, Arnold Beach, Atten, Barkbit, Beachbum 7, Ben 666, Bitstorm, Blip Blop, Blow Jellyfish, Brock 101, Buck Owens, Canadian Retro Things, Carbon 14 XYZ, Cobrian, Commander Root, Cowbird Boy, Captain John Archer, Data Dog UK, Dr. XYZ666. A lot of the Mark yeah, of the yeah. Beast in the chat tonight. Yeah. Edvin Helen's with us. El Corgo Gaming. Yuvelinado. Feet. Flashbowski. Four 8 bit gamers. Freja Midgard. Frodo NL. Gary Hucker. Gurley. Great Al G. Hermski. I wish I was Taylor Swift. Jason Warren. Me too. Zuckading, Kim Justice. Larku. L. Curtis Boyle. All hail. Mitsuyama. Morgjulin. Olav Hope. Omega GP, Paulina 93, Picard 2010, Picotti, R-Typer, Raidens, RetroRewind.ca, Sav2880, Space Monkey UK, Stog Stog Stog, Tainted Kitty, Tom Toms, Thirstboard, BNK, Vigoro Pros, P, Yeaster Sweets, and Z9K9. Wow. You know, you're really good at some of those more Scandinavian type games. You know, that's what I work on during the week. Yeah. I like that. A lot of imper- a lot of new names in there. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what else I love, Aaron. Next week's game. Next week we're playing Dynablaster. Dynablaster. 
Oh yes. Okay, I've got that. Now one. you're. This is the Bomberman game because they couldn't call it Bomberman. I yeah. think it was something to do with the troubles. So uh, they, you know, I uh, love me some Bomberman. It, they call you. Know, I know you don't like Bomberman, but I love. I love Bomberman. So we'll be playing Bomberman, aka Dino Blaster, next week, and we'll see. Maybe who knows, Aaron? Maybe this will be the time you finally come around a corner and you join the rest of us in Bomberman Bliss. I don't uh, think so. We do want to thank our uh, illustrious Amigos Game Selection Committee. Uh, Level Lord uh, suggested this game, and of course the committee voted on it. Pixels of Dawn suggested Dino Blaster, so we thank them, as always, for their service. All right, Aaron, let's close this thing out. We'll see you guys next week. Until then, adios. adios.